And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. I've got a voicemail line set up where you can call and vent. That number is 772-245-0750. That vent line again is 772-245-0750. Well, this news cycle is something else. Uh, this last week was uh, in hyperdrive. And it's, uh, it's kind of difficult for, um, you know, a small show like this to keep up with it. But I've determined that it's not necessarily a bad thing to be a little bit behind the news cycle. Uh, so instead of giving hot takes on things, you can sort of uh, digest what's going on, listen to other people's opinions, and then draw some uh, more sound conclusions. And I, I think that's the, uh, the service that this show is providing. Oh man! Last week we had uh, we had Adam Schiff's Star Chamber uh, continuing the Republicans' uh, efforts to try to point out the hypocrisy and the uh, the dangerous nature of what Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi have got going on. You've had the pullout in Syria and the positive developments there. Uh, you've had the um, uh, Hillary Clinton's attack on Tulsi Gabbard and all of the craziness going on over in the Democrat uh, um, race for the nomination. And uh, and I think we've done a pretty good job keeping up with it. Uh, I've been a step behind the other media. Uh, you might not want to come here for hot takes. What you do want to come here for is for fully informed analysis of what's going on after uh, you've been able to uh, adequately uh, analyze it. So the story uh, today is that the media is very, very upset with the Republicans for continuing to have the gall to question this illegitimate process that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff have got going on in the House of Representatives. And I'm calling this a sham impeachment. This is the, today's word of the day. Chanel Rion over at One American News uh, had a tweet that said, uh, we've got to start taking back the language that we have allowed for too long the left to control the narrative by defining the terms of the debate debate and uh and chanel coined a very uh, accurate and uh enlightening term uh to to characterize this whistleblower so-called whistleblower and she's calling him a whistle leaker and that's, that could not be more accurate because what this guy is is another one of these deep state leakers actually you know, uh, exposing the president's personal communications with another head of state. Totally unprecedented. He was wrong about what went on on that call, but nevertheless, that's what he was trying to do uh, and, and called him a whistle leaker. And I believe that uh, like the other leakers, he is a deep state partisan and by the time this is all over with, he's going to be exposed to having coordinated with Adam Schiff's campaign 
and with other resistance moles inside the deep state and uh, and out of government. Now, I, I believe, I don't know this for a fact yet, but I believe it will be borne out that this whistle leaker is coordinating with uh, John Brennan or James Clapper or Jim Comey in order to try to protect their uh, their butts. They know that... Uh, that uh, Bill Barr and John Durham are are getting to the bottom of the mis- their misconduct in the 2016 presidential election, and they're engaged in a sort of psychological operation, psychological warfare, which you know they're well schooled in, and try to uh, put this administration back on the defensive. But today's word of the day is shampeachment, and that's exactly what the Democrats have got going on in the House. And the definition of shampeachment is a hyperpartisan, unauthorized, and illicit use of the impeachment process when your party doesn't have any policies or a candidate that can win in an election. And uh, what they're doing is trying to distract attention away from uh, these crazy policies that their candidates are uh putting forward in their desperate effort to try to win the far left base of the Democrat party and to sort of try to draw attention away from that while at the same time eroding the president's uh, support among independents. He's got over 90% support of Republicans and about 35% of the support of independents. That is a winning coalition and nothing that the Democrats can uh uh, can do about it uh, because Trump is going to continue to uh, to build on that number. And as uh, more and more independents become focused on the upcoming election and see just how crazy the Democrats have become, these Democrat candidates, they're going to be turned off. So the media is um, in a meltdown because the Republicans uh, marched down to the uh, skiff, Schiff's skiff, where he's holding the star chamber and, uh, and demanded to be allowed in and see exactly what's going on there. They're calling it a, uh, a stunt and, and uh, unbecoming of, you know, uh, elected representatives. Well, I remember not that long ago, when the media loved a stunt, of course, it was when the Democrats were engaged in a stunt. I'm, rec- I'm recalling this sit-in that they uh, that they performed, uh, I guess it's been about a year and a half ago, and they were just, uh, just heaping praise on the Democrats. An extraordinary sit-in on the House floor stretches into the early morning hours. Make no mistake, this was dramatic, like nothing we have ever seen before. Truly one of the most dramatic demonstrations on the House floor in modern American history. A protest like we've never seen before, but Democrats refused to back down. Singing and waving signs. Paul Ryan said that it was nothing but a publicity stunt. If that's the case, it's a damn good publicity stunt. Oh, it was a damn good publicity stunt. Uh, that is just so courageous on behalf of the Democrats, how they're illustrating uh, their, their concern with this, this issue. Now, that was then, this is now, the media no longer likes stunts. 
Republicans storm a closed-door impeachment hearing. Our Republican colleagues evidently have freaked out. It's a pathetic stunt. And quite honestly, it looked like a mob. <laughs> it looked like a mob scene. It was a mob scene. How dare those Republicans try to uh, illustrate the the star chamber proceedings that Adam Schiff has got going on. That is outrageous. A shocking scene today on Capitol Hill, one that some Democrats say resembled a mob and the close quote civil unrest. Republicans outraged is what they say uh, is a sham impeachment inquiry launched by their colleagues across the aisle stormed this closed door deposition in a secure room to the testimony of the deputy assistant defense secretary and not the actual testimony regarding Trump and his behavior on Ukraine is the issue. Oh, it's it's not the lack of transparency. It's not the star chamber process. It's not this impulse toward despotism that the Democrats are displaying for all the world to see. It's it's the Republicans for trying to call it out. You know, it's a sign of desperation. You know, they captured a news cycle, but I don't know what good that news cycle did them because they looked like such jerks. Oh, they look like jerks. How dare they interfere with Adam Schiff's star chamber? Old John King over at CNN actually let a just a little ray of truth slip through. The Republicans are complaining this is being done behind closed doors uh, and that it's an impeachment inquiry. And they are right in the sense that in the Clinton impeachment inquiry, in the Nixon impeachment inquiry, the full House had to pass a resolution essentially endorsing. I keep saying it and nobody in the mainstream media has picked on it up on it yet. But not only is this sham impeachment proceeding without a authorization vote from the full House and the U.S. Constitution says that the power of impeachment resides with the House, not with Nancy Pelosi, not with Adam Schiff, not with Jerry Nadler or Elijah Cumming or Maxine Waters. It resides with the House. And when it says it resides with the House, it's talking about a vote of the full House. The House has to express its intention to move forward with this. And what I'm talking about when I say I've been pointing this out, nobody else has picked up on it, is the House has now voted three separate times not to proceed with an impeachment inquiry. In other words, Nancy Pelosi is overriding the expressed will of the House of Representatives expressed on three separate occasions not to move forward with an impeachment uh, inquiry. She's doing it on her own, and Adam Schiff is doing it in the most illicit possible way you could do it. Matt Getz came out of that uh, that meeting after uh, Adam Schiff um, shut down the proceedings and threatened all of the Republicans with ethics violations and said this. It should be the people of this country who decide who's going to be the president, not Nancy Pelosi and not Adam Schiff in secret behind closed doors. You know, there was a time, I remember, when the media was all for transparency. <laughs> that they wanted things to be done in the light of day. But now that they're out to get Donald Trump, who said mean, nasty things to them, they're all for Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff perverting the rule of law by denying the president of the United States due process and doing it in secret so that they can try to craft this narrative in public by these uh, these leaks uh, that are coming out of this star chamber that do not represent the full story. 
and over at Morning Joe, oh my goodness, Donnie Douche is just up, so upset with these white guys. Watching those Republicans yesterday march, those white guys, those middle-aged, boring, nerdy-looking white guys walk down that steps. Those middle-aged, nerdy, boring white guys, he says. You know, <laughs> that is the term racism, and you can argue that Donnie Douche is a white guy himself. He's allowed to say that, but... uh it is exactly when you're calling out people for their actions based on their skin color or their gender, that is the definition of bigotry. Now, you could argue that Donnie Douche is, uh, is bigoted against himself, but <laughs> Donnie Douche is, uh, is definitely an anti-white uh, male bigot, and so is Jackie Spear. What yesterday was a high school prank by a bunch of 50-year-old white men. A bunch of 50-year-old white men. Why is it relevant that um, these representatives are uh, largely white men? There are, were uh, white women uh, included in there, too, but the Democrats need them as part of their majority. They want to win white suburban women, so they won't, they won't uh, slam them. And Gats came on MSNBC right after Jackie Spear had had uh, appeared and questioned, well, why is the the race and gender of these elected representatives that are pointing out the despotism that is taking root in the House of Representatives, why is that relevant? Well, no, did she say it was that we were a bunch of white men? What does the fact that we are white men have to do with our desire to represent the millions of constituents that we serve? I mean, I was deeply offended by that. Like, I, when, when Jackie Spear walks in a room, I don't sit there and say, you know, a white woman came in or when someone of a different race or ethnicity comes in. This is the type of identity politics from the left that seems to permeate any substantive or procedural argument that they make. And it's, fr it's sickening to me that that is how we would be thought of. The people we serve are, are diverse. And uh, it's just, it's really kind of sickening. Well, it's just racism. It's just this, this brand of racism that has taken root in the Democrat Party that uh, you're allowed to uh, try to smear a whole race of people as long as they're white. And you're allowed to claim victimhood of every uh, member of a group as long as they're not white. It's totally uh, at odds with reality. And... Um, it's effective to a certain degree, but I think they've reached the point of um, the tipping point in the Democrat Party where people of all races and all creeds are going to say that this is dangerous. This is not what um, what Martin Luther King or anybody had in mind when, um, when King said uh, he wants people judged by the uh, content of their character, not the color of their skin. Like I say, what happened to the media's devotion to transparency? Can they not see that the leftists are, have this impulse and this tendency toward despotism? These mock trials like what Adam Schiff is uh, engaged in or what you would see in the old USSR or Mao's cultural revolution, the same sort of movement that resulted in the murder of 100 million people in the last century. More recently, it's very similar to what you'd see in, uh, in Fidel Castro's Cuba or Saddam Hussein's Iraq. 
And the really upsetting and dangerous part of all this is the media has thrown in with the Democrats. They are participating and colluding with the Democrats in this move toward despotism because Trump said mean things about them. we got to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this other big development of the week, so-called Bill Taylor's testimony that's being selectively cherry-picked and put forward to shape this narrative. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. So the other big development to come out of uh, Adam Schiff's sham impeachment process was this testimony by Bill Taylor, the acting uh, ambassador to the Ukraine. Uh, he, he gave a, a 15-page opening statement that was promptly leaked to the media in which he was allowed to set this narrative. And, uh, and I will tell you that, uh, that uh, Bill Taylor is one of these deep state resistance operatives who was foolishly uh, put in to that uh, that position as acting ambassador because he had been a previous ambassador. They didn't dig deeply enough into this guy's connections and sentiments. But he put out this 15-page uh, opening statement that was leaked. It, it read very much like the whistle leaker's uh, statement. It was full of innuendo and uh, hearsay. But it was all the media really needed to uh, take the ball and run with it and try to craft this narrative that uh, somehow this was the final nail in the coffin. The walls are closing in. This is bombshell. This is uh, Nicole Wallace over at MSNBC engaging in utter deception on this topic. Source who witnessed Taylor's experiences dealing with the Trump administration's Ukraine policy tells NBC News today, quote, Everybody in Ukraine knew it was a quid pro quo. Everybody. 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 There's no question Trump was holding the money and the White House meeting. And before Taylor even stepped foot on Capitol Hill for today's deposition, his outrage was revealed through documents turned over to congressional investigators by other witnesses, including this now infamous text exchange with Trump appointee Gordon Sondland, the current ambassador to the EU. Taylor writes to him, quote, are we now saying that security assistance and White House meeting are conditioned on investigations? Sondland replied, call me. And later, Taylor lays out his concerns explicitly in another text, quote, as I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. Well, what you had there and what Nicole Wallace was describing was Bill Taylor's attempt to try to... um, to trap Gordon Sondland in uh, admitting that there was some kind of quid pro quo. And what Nicole Wallace doesn't tell you because she wants to craft this narrative is that uh, Gordon Sondland 
the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, replied to Bill Taylor's attempt, attempted entrapment. Um, so Bill Taylor says, as I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. There was no indication of that at all. But uh, Gordon Sondland replied, Bill, I believe you are incorrect about President Trump's intentions. The president has been crystal clear. No quid pro quos of any kind. The president is trying to evaluate whether the Ukraine is truly going to adopt the transparency and reforms that the pre- that President Zelensky promised during the campaign. So, you would think that somebody that calls themselves a journalist, and I'm not sure that Nicole Wallace qualifies for that any longer, might mention that little that little nugget there, that the guy that Bill Taylor is quoting on secondhand hearsay information that's got the media all up in arms is saying right there that there is no quid pro quo, that the president has been crystal clear on that. Selectively leaked hearsay and innuendo. That is what Adam Schiff's star chamber is engaged in with the active complicity of this new new uh, legacy media that uh, has no sort of standards or, or um, honesty left in it. So let's uh, let's take a look at who exactly this Aaron or this uh, Bill Taylor is. I've got a clip here of Aaron Klein appearing on John Batchelor's excellent radio show, uh, the, doing some actual investigative reporting and and uh, describing who Bill Taylor is and who he's associated with. Curiously, he didn't mention the name. He just talked, as you just said, you read uh, quotes that were selectively leaked, a small non-governmental, Ukrainian non-governmental organization, where he served actually for nine years as senior advisor. Um, The name of the organization, and all of this is instructive, is called the U.S.-Ukraine Business Council, the U.S.-U.B.C., again, where he served for nine years. First of all, the U.S.U.B.C. Is, has co-hosted, participated, and organized many, many events with the Atlantic Council, which is the Burisma-funded think tank. Um, now, I, I want to just rewind because you and I talked about uh, my pieces over the last few weeks where we found that a staffer from Adam Schiff's office, Thomas Eager, is a fellow at the Burisma-funded Atlantic Council and then took a trip back in August, uh, a bipartisan congressional delegation of 10 congressional aides. Um, The trip was financed by the Burisma-funded Atlantic Council, and then Adam Schiff's staffer went over um, for this trip to Ukraine right after, actually 10 days after, the whistleblower first filed his complaint after, reportedly after, first being in contact with an aide from Adam Schiff's office. While this Adam Schiff staffer was on his trip, funded by, organized by, the Burisma-funded Atlantic Council, he met with none other than Bill Taylor, who is now the star impeachment witness for the Democrats, although actually he didn't really say much because there was no quid pro quo. So Bill Taylor, Adam Schiff's star witness, and the one that uh, the media wants you to believe uh, is going to take down this president, is deeply tied in with Burisma, the same ones that were paying 
Hunter Biden $3 million and who, and who met with Adam Schiff's staff right after the whistle leaker filed his complaint. Unbelievable. That's why they don't want you to hear the cross-examination. we got to run out to a break. You're going to hear two messages, and then we'll be right back, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, and we'll talk about the president's success in Syria right after these messages on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. I've got this uh, voicemail line set up that you can call in and vent. Give me your opinions. If they're good, maybe even if they're not so good, we might use your call on the air. That number is 772-245-0750. The vent line where you can call in is 772-245-0750. So as we went out to break, we're talking about this uh, Bill Taylor's testimony in Adam Schiff's star chamber that's been selectively leaked to the media so that they can craft their narrative and try to erode the president's popularity going into this, uh, this election season. And uh, the New York Times says, this is the most damning impeachment testimony yet. Washington Examiner, who opposed themselves as being a conservative outlet, but in fact are deeply in their DNA, never Trump, their, uh, their take was Ukraine Ambassador William Taylor's testimony backs Senate Republicans into a corner. Well, if you're not reading Monica Showalter over the American Thinker website, it's a, it's a really high-quality, news-quality blog where you can get uh, really great opinions, and Monica Showalter is, uh, is among the best. It's run by uh, Thomas Lifson and edited by the, um, the excellent J.R. Dunn, uh, you should do that uh, because uh, she's got a great piece on this. Seven questions she would like to ask Ambassador Bill Taylor, and the first of which would be, uh, were you ever one of the members of the resistance? Were you ever never Trump? 
how come your lawyer is John Bellingham, a rabid never-Trumper, who helped draft the infamous 2016 statement calling Trump the most uh, reckless president in American history? Are you one of these overly rigid military generals whose real beef is that there was uh, more than one channel of communication and that you are feeling left out and angry about your status being undercut? Here's a question that Monica would like to put to him. Is your interest in the Ukraine um, concerned about your rice bowl being undercut as a Ukraine expert? Maybe, maybe this guy has gone native, as so many of them do. You recall that's what John Brennan did. Uh, he was a, uh, an expert in Arab studies, spoke Arabic, and sort of crafted the CIA's uh, policy that ended up allowing uh, the President of the United States to deliver billions and billions of dollars to uh, the U- Iranians. I know Iranians aren't Arab but Middle Eastern is what I'm talking about. Those are, uh, those are tough questions, but uh, that really doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. Why, in your opening testimony, did you gloss over your involvement in this so-called non-government organization in Ukraine, not stating its name for the record? Here's what Bill Taylor said. I have served as ambassador to Ukraine in 2006 and 2009, having been nominated by George W. Bush. In the intervening 10 years, I have stayed engaged with Ukraine, visiting frequently since 2013 as a board member of a small Ukrainian non-governmental organization supporting good governance and reform. That's, a, that's an interesting question. Why didn't he call it out by name? Was it because that, that organization was funded by Burisma? Here's a follow-up question I'd like to ask on Monica's question is, were you paid for that position on this small Ukrainian non-governmental organization? And how much? You know, if the Republicans fought like the Democrats, they would be subpoenaing uh, Bill Taylor's finances to find out just how much money from this Burisma-funded non-governmental organization supporting good governance and reform in Ukraine he collected. That would be an interesting question. What about your meeting with Schiff's staff member, Mr. Taylor, that was flown over to the Ukraine after the whistle leakers' complaint was known to Adam Schiff, but before it was known to the public? What about your meeting with that uh, Schiff's staff member who was flown over there on a junket paid for by Burisma. What about the news that the U.S. Embassy pressured the Ukraine in 2016 to drop another investigation of a Soros front group that apparently was taking in millions of dollars? John Solomon reported that. Why did Taylor, with his fingers, or what did Taylor, with his fingers in both pots, know about that? Bill Taylor is apparently... On his face, another one of these deep state operatives. And the reason Adam Schiff is conducting this behind closed door and denying the Republicans the ability to call their own witnesses is because they want to protect 
this latest frame job that they're trying to put together against the President of the United States. Well, the President last week uh, had a, uh, a, another overwhelming success that was completely at odds with all of the policy prescriptions uh, from the foreign policy establishment elite inside the Beltway. And that is he pulled American troops out of the border region of Syria and Turkey and allowed Turkey to come in and set up a 20-mile buffer zone so that they could protect themselves against attacks from uh, the terrorist groups inside uh, the Kurds. Now, the Kurds are not all terrorists, but they do have the PKK, which has, for many, many, many years, been launching terrorist attacks into Turkey from across the Syrian border. Trump got American troops out of there, allowed, which allowed Turkey to come in, set up this, um, this exclusion zone. And then um, Trump told them if, if they didn't stop inside this 20-mile zone, that, um, that economic sanctions would be crippling. And to illustrate that point, he went ahead and ordered them. And so Turkey did what they said they were going to do. They protected their border put together this buffer zone, which will allow them to repatriate the millions of Syrian refugees that they have been hosting for the last many years. And Erdogan of Turkey has declared this ceasefire to be permanent, and even the commander of the Kurdish forces has uh, thanked Trump for intervening on their behalf to keep Turkey from uh, from going further into uh, Syria in pursuit of them. This is just not the way it's done in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. insists that any sort of conflict anywhere in the world has to have American troops at the center of it to be put in danger for American uh, blood to be spilled on foreign soil and American treasure to be wasted. And uh, all of the the foreign policy establishment in Washington just melted down over this, including old Chuck Schumer. Today, the five-day pause on hostilities in northern Syria is set to come to an end. What happens next is completely unknown. Completely Will unknown. Erdogan continue his military incursion into Syria? Will the Kurds, fight facing another Turkish offensive, leave their posts guarding, of guarding ISIS prisoners to once again defend themselves, allowing ISIS prisoners dangerous to America to escape? Will Presidents Erdogan and Putin cut a new deal that's bad for America and our allies? Nobody knows the answer to any of these. What we do know is that the situation has rapidly deteriorated compared to just a few weeks ago. Well, actually, we do know some things at this point, and that is that Turkey is making this ceasefire permanent, that these ISIS presidents, prisoners, many of whom were just family members, that uh, many of which traveled over from the EU, and the EU is now refusing to take them back. If they escaped, and we don't know if in fact they did, they were faced with either escaping into this border region and facing uh, Turkish justice or escaping into the Syrian region and facing Russian-Syrian justice, neither of which um, is a very positive outcome for these ISIS 
uh, family members and, and remnants. Because both of those groups hate ISIS and have a grudge to settle with them uh, for the atrocities that they have committed against both of those groups uh, in these last, I guess it's been six years or so. So Donald Trump uh, gave a, uh, a statement on the, the right after Chuck Schumer wondered what was next. Trump came out and announced this permanent ceasefire. For the last five days, you have seen that a ceasefire that we established along Syria's border has held, and it's held very well, beyond most expectations. Early this morning, the government of Turkey informed my administration that they would be stopping combat and their offensive in Syria and making the ceasefire permanent, and it will indeed be permanent. However, you would also define the word permanent in that part of the world as somewhat questionable. We all understand that, but I do believe it will be permanent. I've therefore instructed the Secretary of the Treasury to lift all sanctions imposed on October 14th in response to Turkey's original offensive moves against the Kurds in Syria's northeast border region. So the sanctions will be lifted unless something happens that we're not happy with. This was an outcome created by us, the United States, and nobody else, no other nation. Very simple. And we're willing to take blame, and we're also willing to take credit. This is something they've been trying to do for many, many decades. Since then, others have come out to help, and we welcome them to do so. Other countries have stepped forward. They want to help, and we think that's great. The nations in the region must ultimately take on the responsibility of helping Turkey and Syria police their border. We want other nations to get involved. We've secured the oil, and therefore a small number of U.S. troops will remain in the area where they have the oil. And we're going to be protecting it, and we'll be deciding what we're going to do with it in the future. In any event, by the moves that we've made, we are achieving a much more peaceful and stable area between Turkey and Syria, including a 20-mile-wide safe zone. An interesting term, safe zone. That's the term we're using. Hopefully, that zone will become safe. Thousands and thousands of people have been killed in that zone over the years. But it's been sought for many, many decades, and I think we have something that's going to be strong and hold up. Now, I'm no fan of, uh, of Erdogan and Turkey. Uh, I, I don't think Turkey belongs inside NATO. I don't think it belongs inside the EU. But when you look at Turkey as compared to all of the other unrest in the region, the last thing we should want is for Turkey to become destabilized right there on Europe's doorstep. And Turkey, as a sovereign nation, has a perfect legitimate right to protect its borders, and they ought not to have to put up with these incursions uh, from the uh, so-called Syrian democratic resistance or something to that effect, and, uh, and pushing into uh, Syria, which is, uh, you know, at this point, almost a failed state. Maybe it will be able to reconstitute itself. But to protect its own border and repatriate these Syrian refugees, I think, is reasonable enough. And I think that Donald Trump has proven, once again, 
that the conventional wisdom that has taken root inside the Beltway has been wrong about nearly everything. I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Give me a call and, and let me know what you think at my vent line at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. I remembered uh, a little clip of Wesley Clark talking about this uh, the early days when, as a response to 9-11, the neocons swooped in and tried to engage in this uh, this massive effort to basically unseat all of the regimes in the Middle East that has been a disaster and started all of this mess that Donald Trump is now trying to repair. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me and he said, sir, you got to... Come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, "Well, you're too busy." He said, "No, no." He says, "We've made the decision. We're going to war with Iraq." This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, "We're going to war with Iraq. Why?" He said, "I don't know." <laughs> he said, "I guess they don't know what else to do." So uh, I said, "Well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to Al Qaeda?" He said. No, no. He says there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later. And by that time, we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. I said, is it classified? He said, yes, sir. I said, I said, well, don't show it to me. And I saw him a year or so ago, and I said, you remember that? He said, sir, I didn't show you that memo. I didn't show it to you. So this is exactly the, the foreign policy that the Beltway elites have been pursuing at the cost of America's blood and treasure, our precious uh, young men and women sent over there to be killed and maimed in wars of no national interest whatsoever, fighting over God-forsaken countries who have centuries-long uh, sectarian blood feuds. They put our, our kids right in the middle of that. Donald Trump makes a relatively small effort, pulling out about 50 troops, in an effort to try to uh, allow some sort of stabilization of their lunacy, And he's condemned by the Beltway establishment and by, by the way, the Democrats who are supposed to be the party of peace, the anti-war party. But because Donald Trump is doing it, they have to be against it. We've got to run out to a break. Stick with us. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the current state of affairs in the Democrat uh, um, race. And I'm going to ask you whether you think Megyn Kelly ought to be allowed back at Fox News. Stick with us. 
This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So also this last week, we had news that Joe Biden had made a miraculous recovery and that he had stopped his, his uh, slide in the polls uh, and had now regained and started to uh, increase his polling numbers. And this was a CNN poll, which ought to set off alarms in your head because pollsters and just like bond rating agencies and um, uh, property inspectors or appraisers, they know who they're, where their bread is buttered. And if they're working for a client that is paying them, they are going to try to tell that client what that client wants to hear. And that's the state of U.S. polling now. And this CNN poll was probably undercut by a, a Quinnip, Quinnipiac, I can't even pronounce the word, Quinnipiac <laughs> poll that showed that no, Joe Biden's numbers hadn't increased and that Elizabeth Warren was still leading uh, the nomination process for the Dems by seven points and it in fact increased her lead. And what's going to happen here, and I think most observers know it, is that at some point, old Bernie Sanders is going to have to uh, throw in the towel and all of his support is going to go to Elizabeth Warren and she is going to be the uh, the odds-on favorite to win this primary and the Democrat establishment is melting down because of it. They know that Joe Biden is not going to be the nominee. They're not giving him uh, any campaign contributions. He is behind Pete Buttigieg in the, uh, in the fundraising department. The former vice president of the United States is raising less money than the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, to be the next president of the United States. That ought to tell you something about Joe Biden's strength. But... Uh, we're going to, probably on Monday, we're going to talk about um, the Democrats' policy prescriptions and their candidates. We're going to uh, do a whole segment on that. hope you'll join us then. But uh, if you ask yourself why Joe Biden is struggling so hard, it may be statements like this. And that's going to start, I'm going to start by reversing the Trump tax cuts for the super wealthy corporations. He's going to start... <laughs> By destroying jobs, he's going to he's going to jack up uh, the tax rate on these corporations again. They like to the Democrats do throw in corporations with the the ultra wealthy. The corporation is is not except for in the uh, uh, C corp S corps uh, the super wealthy corporations. Uh, had been fleeing this country in droves, going to Europe of all places, because the corporate tax rate had risen so high in the United States. And they came back when Donald Trump cut the corporate tax rate and employment increased to historic numbers. And finally, at long last, uh, working people's wages have been increasing. But if you think that Joe Biden 
as he has claimed, uh, is responsible for this great economy and knows how to turn things around financially, consider when he's on uh, putting together this uh, this really third-rate effort at a fundraising effort on social media. Folks, you hear the news. Once again, Putin and the Russians are trying to engage in our elections and decide who the president's going to be. Russia! And this time I'm the object there of their attention. Putin's after because me. Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. Well, why would he think that? The last time you were in office as vice president of the United States, Putin had, uh, had pretty much carte blanche to do anything he wanted to do. It was only after President Trump came into the office that they started putting in uh, sanctions in place and took the uh, the reins off of our energy sector. Why would Vladimir Putin want anybody? I mean, why would Vladimir Putin want Donald Trump to be reelected president when it's the Democrats that are promising to tank our energy economy and they've got this long track record of being totally permissive when it comes to Russia? But here's the money quote. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. He's a bully. And I know he doesn't want me to be president, but to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. Mr. Putin, the American people decide their elections, not you. Chip in a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. <laughs> so, so Joe Biden's trying to uh, get on in on the uh, Russia frenzy and begging you for a dollar, <laughs> five dollars, ten dollars. So this is this is a former vice president of the United States that's been reduced to begging for a dollar on social media, in a very sort of amateurish uh, way. He's on there begging for a buck, and at the same time he's uh, he's trying to uh, you know forward this other Democrat narrative that uh, Donald Trump is some sort of crypto racist, crypto white supremacist. When has he ever taken? When has he ever said a negative thing about a white supremacist? Have you heard him say anything? I haven't. When has he ever said anything bad about a white supremacist? Have you heard him say anything? I haven't. Well, maybe old Joe Biden hasn't been paying attention. When has he ever taken, when has he ever said a negative thing about a white supremacist? Have you heard him say anything? I haven't. I totally disavow the Ku Klux Klan. I totally disavow David Duke. When you say the party is self-destructing, what do you see as the biggest problem with the Reform Party right now? Well, you've got David Duke just joined. A bigot, a racist, a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. So are you prepared right now to make a clear and unequivocal statement renouncing the support of all white supremacists? Of course I am. Of course I am. Sometimes do I have to reject? I've rejected David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. About the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. You know, this is the narrative that they keep forwarding, just like the Russian narrative. There's no truth to it. It is simply a hoax that has been 
forwarded by the Democrats with the help of their, uh, their legacy media mouthpieces. Well, we're running out of time, and I want to ask you a question. Uh, Megyn Kelly appeared on Tucker Carlson's show, the first interview she had given in uh, over a year, maybe two years, and, um, and it, it came clear to me that the reason she was fired over at NBC News is she raised the specter of their, uh, their complicity and uh, turning a blind eye to Matt Lauer's sexual uh, conduct over there. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I'm not as mad at, at uh, Megyn Kelly as most people. I think that uh, she is a very talented um, media personality. And I think maybe she's been chastened, ch- chastened by her treatment uh, in the mainstream media and uh, would be a, a, a solid addition to the Fox lineup. Now, I know a lot of people really disagree with me vehemently on that, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. They say they fired her because she said that, uh, you know, why, how is it racist to dress, you know, to darken your face, to dress up like Diana Ross? That it used to be okay uh, to... I mean, how is that? Uh, how is that racist? She issued that groveling apology, but that wasn't enough, and they fired her. So the question I want for you to respond to seven seven two two four five zero seven fifty is: Should Fox bring back Megyn Kelly? Yes or no, and why? I'm kind of thinking that maybe it wouldn't be such a bad idea, but you might think differently. Let me hear from you. Seven seven two two four five zero seven fifty to vent. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes, and I hope you'll join us back here again on Monday, right here on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. I look forward to talking to you then. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful, because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.